Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We have an official scoring change to start the show with today. (laughs) I can't. I can't do it. (laughs) But you're the guilty. No, you're not the guilty party. You're the messenger. So I can't shoot the messenger, but the messenger. I made the discovery. Let's just put it this way. You should put my name on this one. Man, oh man. Like, okay. As if the frustration, the disappointment of losing the last game to Anaheim wasn't bad enough. Lukanen's had a shot taken off the board. So now he gave up four on 14 shots as he gets set for a return to the crease tonight. And an opportunity for the Sabres to upend Montreal and end up with a split of the season series, of which Montreal has taken two of the first three. Do you want to start with Lukanen as he tries to bounce back tonight? Or is there another uh, major component that uh, is a, you know, bigger concern, greater storytelling tonight going into this one? No, I, I want to start with Lukanen because for me, I mean, this has been a really big story now since probably around Christmas time when Lukanen started to play more regularly and play more often and really mm-hmm. has had a, a bigger impact on how the games have been played. And his his season has, has gone really, really like north, right? It's, the numbers have been better, have been great, actually. Uh, and then last game was probably the one game in the last two months where you're like, oh, leaky, and it wasn't great. So how does he bounce back? Like, we haven't seen Lukanen having to just step back into that, hey, boom, I'm coming back into a game, and I have to put uh, a really solid effort or a really solid game. There's mm-hmm. been games where he's lost, but when you lose, you know, 2-1, or, you know, you lose, you know, 2 nothing, um, it's... As a goaltender, you say, I did my job. I'm just going to get back to playing. But when you lose a game 4-3 where there was some leaky moments and your numbers really take a hit like that, um, okay, how do you bounce back? And it's in Montreal. And so I that's my number one story for tonight. How does Lukanen bounce back? And your belief, expectation is? My belief, expectation is that it will be a solid game for Lukanen. I mean, there's no reason to doubt that number one, the Sabres will do a, a, a better job of managing the puck in front of them. Yeah, they mm-hmm. gave up 14 shots to Anaheim, but it was the four goals that they gave up and how they had full possession of the puck, gave it up to Anaheim, you know, and basically allowed Anaheim to get four goals. So I think the Sabres are going to be better in front of them. But two, I think Lukanen is going to just say, hey, I've been there before. He's had adversity in his career from game to game or even year to year. Injuries, whatever. Okay, let's put all of that to, to the best use and go forward. They have the dads on and mentors on the trip. Um, you know, I'm not saying that's a good sign because Vancouver had the dads and mentors on their trip and they lost 10-7 the other night in Minnesota after being up 5-3 and then they lost in Colorado. 
But I, I really feel like that is going to reset things up for a lot of players and Lucan in one of them. And um, I expect him to really uh, have a strong, solid effort in this one. Of course, Montreal's been a, a thorn a couple of times this year uh, yep. in Buffalo's side. And we know that the Sabres will have one change in front of Lucan and tonight on the defense after it was uh, not only a tough day for Lukanen, but it was a tough day specifically for the pairing of Johnson and Johnson in front of him. So Ryan's going to sit this one out tonight. Kale Clegg draws in, and obviously Kale spent uh, quite a bit of time in the Sabres lineup last year, probably more than people imagine. Um, and, you know, he's he's done – he's – He's had a nice year in Rochester. You know, we we talked a lot at the start of the year about just the sheer number of players that were there. Um, yeah. We saw it, obviously, in Sabres camp, but it was even more pronounced at the start of the year in Rochester when they were so healthy. And they had, like, 15 forwards and 10 or 11 defensemen. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, like, what are you going to do here? And they've moved, made some trades along the way and moved some players out and – uh and I think Clegg's been very consistent for them. I think what I've enjoyed about his play in Rochester has been his his willingness to use a great asset of his, which is his skating, and be an attacker on the play. We, we've seen this a lot in recent games. Uh, we saw it from Middleton in the Minnesota game. You know, from his defense position, he was often busting down the middle, trying to be a center lane drive, causing chaos at the crease. I think there's obviously a time for that. We see Deline do it quite a bit too, obviously. But I think, you know, if, if Clegg's in a confident place, um, I would like to see that from him. There's no point in being, you know, just a defender. It's an opportunity at this stage in the season and in his career to utilize his, his well, strengths. There, what's there to lose, right? If you're Kel right. Clegg and you're 100%. looking at this season and saying, okay, well, I come in, I get a chance to play in the NHL, and... Uh, if I make a mistake, what is that going to change? Right. In a, in a sense. And I hate to say it that way, but it's not going to make or break the Sabres season this year with right. a mistake or maybe, uh, you know, a good play by Kel Clegg, but at least he can, you know, highlight himself in some good positive light. Um, but again, I think if you look at this matchup against Montreal, I don't think it's about Kel Clegg and Eric Johnson. Of course not. Um, the, the Montreal Canadiens have scored 16 goals in their last five games, mm -hmm. over three on average. They're one and four in those five games. They can score. They've not been able to keep it out of their net. So one thing is that, okay, so they have a really solid top line in Suzuki, Caulfield, and Stavkowski. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to play well against that top line. But everything else that comes with the Montreal lineup, I think is... Okay, take advantage of it. I mean, they don't have anything else really going for them offensively, but the Suzuki line, um, their power play can move the puck around and, and do well, but it's still not a, a threatening power play. So take advantage of that. Go play a, a fun game. Go play a game where you, you're, you're going to have full confidence of, of what you can do out there. I look at the Krebs line last game with Paterka and Benson played mm -hmm. that way. I mean, it's still not producing for Peyton Krebs, but Paterka and Benson are going. The, the Middlestad Cousins and Greenway line played that way. We haven't seen that out of, the, out of the Thompson line, even though Tate scored last game. So that's where it all, it, it all falls down for me in this matchup against Montreal. Like, take advantage of the matchup that you have in front of you and go get the job done. Sam Montembeau in goal for Montreal tonight. He's two and four lifetime against the Sabres. UPL is what against Montreal career-wise? Oh, um, I would say 
zero zero zero. You're right. <laughs> I took it. I'm starting to get to know. Like when you ask questions, usually those are trick questions. Last game, you kept asking me, "Hey, who has more goals between this guy and that guy?" And off the air, and I would always answer tie because they'd be tied, and I kind of knew where you were coming. But uh, okay, so Lukanen is zero zero zero. You talk yeah. about Montembo. Montembo's last outing, he gave up seven. Uh, so, I mean, both goaltenders are looking at a bounce back effort in this game. Yes. And of course the two teams are tied in the standings. One of us is not super surprised by that. Uh, yeah, that's you. (laughs) Right. And one of us said that (laughs) Buffalo was going to finish ahead of Montreal this year in the standings, which... I, it's tied. I'm not losing right now, so we're okay. <laughs> there, there's that tied reference once again. Uh, I, it, my belief all along going into this year was that the hardest part for the Sabres was going to be how competitive are all the other teams around them and how tight is the race going to be. I think yeah. it's actually probably not as tight, although it's getting there now with the Devils and the Islanders four points back of Detroit, Mm -hmm. but I kind of expected seven or eight teams, even a little more, more like actually the Western, the West. Yeah. Because the West right now has five teams, wildcard two and the four behind it separated by three points after last night's uh, loss for Minnesota, which was not surprising on the heels of their, uh, emotionally, offensively charged victory yeah. over Vancouver. Um, win for Nashville. Nashville. Had a really solid win, and they did, you know, I mean, Shea Theodore came back in for Vegas, and that was, it, it could have been a huge boost for them, but guess what? All of a sudden, Vegas has lost three consecutive home games, which I believe has not happened, or if it has, it's been extremely rare in the franchise history. So all of know, a sudden, Aiden Hill gives up four again. He gave up three against Carolina. He gave up four against Minnesota. He's lost three in a row. Right. Um, that's not the same uh, same success when you give up four like Aiden Hill has been given up the last few games. But the reason we only focused on wild card two and the teams behind is L.A. won again, and that gives them five of six. Their cushion is at least uh, a more stable one than what they had than w- when Hiller took over. The tough news for them was that Victor Arvidsson left after one shift last night. He had yeah. come back. They've won all their games with him in the lineup, and he's had such an awful lot to deal with injury-wise, so really disappointing to see that. But if we're going to talk L.A. for a second, why not You know, open the first <laughs> 10 minutes of the show with one of the goals of the year and it was just, I want your, uh, like, unvarnished commentary here. Like, I, I haven't quizzed you on this. I don't know what you thought when you saw it for the first time. But I know, because we recently saw L.A., all the good things you've talked about Quentin Byfield. So, uh, Well, just when I saw it for that. the first time, which was an amazing goal by Quentin Byfield, he went through Zach Wierenski with the toe drag, used the skate to bring it back, went to the backhand. Um, and I've I've made comparison to this player who is now retired many times when I think of Quentin Byfield and it's Rick Nash. Rick mm-hmm. Nash with the Columbus Blue Jackets was a force, big, strong, unbelievable skills, uh, you know, and, and was the one player with the Columbus Blue Jackets for years. And Quentin Byfield reminds me a lot of Rick Nash. And when I saw that goal yesterday, 
It brought me back to remember the goal Rick Nash scored against the Arizona Phoenix Coyotes at the time where he toe drags a couple of guys, gets it in a skate, goes to his forehand and tucks it in from the other side. And I thought, not because that LA scored against Columbus, but I thought this is a Rick Nash type goal. And look, Quentin Byfield was the second overall pick in 2020. That was the uh, pandemic draft, the first one that was virtual. Alexi Lafreniere went number one in that draft. The Sabres ended up with Jack Quinn. But there has been some really spectacular talent that have come out of that draft. Lafreniere is number one, and he's he's playing well, but... Quentin Byfield is is amazing. Tim, Tim Stutzla scored a beautiful goal last night. He's been unbelievable. Lucas Raymond, tough year goal scoring wise for him though. Yeah, know. tough year goal scoring wise, but I think Tim Stutzla is a, you know, going to be oh, a superstar sure. in this league. Absolutely. Lucas Raymond in in Detroit has had up and down moments, but he's still a solid player who has played uh, 211 games in the NHL. He's got 148 points. Like that's really good. Jake Sanderson, Jamie Drysdale. Uh, Jack Quinn, Marco Rossi, Cole, Cole Perfetti, Yaroslav Askarov, the goalie in, in Milwaukee now in the Nashville organization, Lundell, who scored the overtime last night, said Jarvis. Like, I mean, the players in that draft is pretty amazing. And mm-hmm. I think Quinn Byfield may end up being the best of all of them when it's all said and done. And and he he's really stepped up this year in the way that he's played. Um, and the LA Kings handled them right. Like they had some time with him in the AHL, called back up, given opportunities. But this year they got him in a top six role and he's playing well. Yeah, it, it's been a real a joy to watch uh, him at his absolute best. But I think the beauty of Byfield is even on those non-spectacular nights, he's just, you know, his presence can do so much for others. And uh yeah, it's it's a it's a treat to watch him develop this year. Um, LA, as mentioned, is in a, in a pretty good spot right now. Um, they're grateful that undoubtedly that Cam Talbot's streak is behind him. Talbot's won two games in a row now, so it was still very sketchy last. Night. I'm watching the game. I'm thinking every time Columbus got a chance, I'm I, I'm I'm squinting when Talbot's making the save, and I get it, like. He's not playing any different now that he did at the start of the season. It's just that he has a bad streak that all of a sudden you start second-guessing it a little bit. Well, the one thing that has happened, um, even though it it officially happened before L.A. played in Buffalo, but what's really happened after is the arrival of Brant Clark. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Like, ever since that stunning overtime winner against Boston – just watch what he's willing to try now. It is a game changer on their blue line as far as creating offense. And obviously last night, Pierre-Luc Dubois got a couple of goals. And that's a big, big, big focal point for this coaching staff is to unleash, unlock whatever term you want to use for Dubois because they desperately need it if they're going to keep pace with any of the top teams in the Western Conference should they get to the postseason. All right, back to the Sabres for a second here. Obviously, it's Buffalo-Montreal tonight, and we'll have pregame coverage starting at 6.30. Um, The team's the biggest difference. What would you say the biggest difference is between Buffalo and Montreal this year, even though they're dead Uh, even in the standings? Biggest difference? Well, like maybe a statistical anomaly or something, you know. 
Uh, I think the biggest difference is that the top line for Montreal, I just mentioned Suzuki, Caulfield, and Slavkovsky. Maybe he had a slow start for Caulfield, but it's picked up, and Slavkovsky has really stepped up in that role. I think you compare their top line to the Sabres' top line, I think the expectations of what those two were going to be this year, um, the Thompson line dropped, and the Caulfield, Suzuki, Slavkovsky line moved up. I think that's the biggest difference in the two teams right now. Um, but the Sabres have more depth. Then Montreal, I feel mm -hmm. at forward right now. Uh, Montreal doesn't really have that secondary push that they could have. And um, Montreal is just young on defense. I feel like they're the Buffalo Sabres of two years ago when they were really younger, much younger mm -hmm. in defense and were building up. Um, you have a lot of young defensemen on the Montreal Canadiens blue line, um, which at times could be great, but other times it, it makes for a challenge for the uh, for the Habs. Well, I don't think we have we seen Arbor Jacki in the Montreal lineup this year in the head-to-head -head meetings. Not and, this year. I so don't he's back. So. so that changes their blue line a bit uh, on the roster uh, side. When you mention age, Montreal actually enters this one younger than Buffalo yeah. at this point in time. Keep in mind the Sabers. You know, don't have Quinn, don't have Power, don't have Samuelson. That's a lot of youth not in the lineup. Um, the Sabres are technically, um, you know, 26.8, I think, right now. Montreal 26.3 with the age. So just to put it into context, you're spot on with your assessment of their defense core being incredibly young. But overall, that group is is very and has been challenged this year due to some significant injuries, um, you know, missing Kirby Doc for the entire season. Boy, Sean Monaghan's been <laughs> fine oh. offensively since he's gone to Winnipeg. But again, well, that's two games, especially. Let's just right. put it, it took him, a, it took him uh, four games to, uh, to get accustomed, but um, man, is he good on the, okay. So sometimes you don't realize that acquiring a player is going to affect a part of your game that much. Mm. Like when the Jets acquired Sean Monaghan would never have thought, Hey, it's going to make their power play so much better. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, now they're six for 11 in their last three games on the power play with Sean Monaghan being in the bumper position. And that it's incredible. I'm like, mm -hmm. Sean Monaghan is not that good of a power play player. To to turn a power Come play on. that with, why are you so down on him? I've always no, I'm thought, not I'm not saying he's a good player, but yeah. is he that guy, right? I mean, okay, if you added an Ovechkin or a Stamkos or a Kucherov or something like that, you're like, oh, our power play is gonna get so much better. Um, think of the Oilers last year. You know, mm -hmm. they lose Tyson Berry, they make the trade with Nashville for Mat Matthias Ekholm, and you're thinking Okay, the owner's power play is going to drop a little bit. Barry was so good on that power play that was running 40%, and it dropped a little bit. That's something you had to expect. I didn't expect Sean Monaghan was going to have that impact on the Jets' power play, which uh, they did, and now they're able to uh, to get a win. You like uh, Brossois' gray pads? I like him with the uniforms they were wearing, which is not their their regular home jersey. I think it was their third jersey. So yeah, I think it's okay. fine with that. I'm not a, as you know, I'm not a dark color type of uh, goalie. Well, gray gear. straddles the line of darker it's light, just depending very, on how you very look at close. it. <laughs> I wish there was some white in it to be right. a little bit more that way. But yeah. uh, but he was really good again yesterday. In that good game. enough. I mean, he had a little scare at the end when Minnesota started uh, pumping in a couple in the last six minutes. Uh, I well, mean, it was only... scary as Minnesota scored five in five minutes exactly, against yeah. Uh, yeah. you know the Canucks. So yes. Well, I would say this: the one noticeable difference for me. Um, 
and the reason this statistic is important uh, from a saber standpoint, uh, not so much in contrast to Montreal, but more what we've seen of late, i.e., the Anaheim game, one goal games. Buffalo just hasn't mastered them this year. They haven't played in a ton of them either, uh, yeah. <laughs> given up a lot of empty nets, whatever. But the Sabres are six, eight, and four. Montreal is 15, eight, and eight. They yeah. live for the close games. The problem with Montreal is they've gotten their doors blown off a lot. Mm-hmm. So their numbers are skewed, right? Like if you just look at, you know, on the surface goals for goals against per game, like Buffalo looks better and you're sitting there going, well, why are they tied in the standings? It's because Montreal has been really good in these ultra tight games. So, you know, keeping in mind the recent games that we've talked about with the Sabres not being able to break through offensively against Dallas and against, well, it was a low chance game against St. Louis, but that first period against Florida and now the last game against Anaheim, like the longer they're stuck in a tight game with Montreal, I think that's that's an area of concern and focus here tonight. Yeah, and the, the big thing for me is both teams have not led or been tied after two often, right? right. You look at their record, they're, they, they're two yeah. teams that trail after two more often, and Montreal is 4-21-4 and four in those games. Buffalo's 2-24-2 in those games. So, you know, they're not teams that come back a lot. Now, Montreal comes back enough to maybe make it a one-goal game and maybe get a point in overtime, but it's still not been a, teams that have been able to come from behind, neither one of them. So when we kind of casually led into the top of the show with the scoring change and how it affected the game sheet and Uko Pekka I knew you were essentially going to wind yourself up to the biggest story, which is Buffalo's top line. And, yeah. and, and from tonight onward, and again, yes, we're always keeping a close eye on the standings. And yes, they need to go 22 and five to have a hope presumably, of being in this race. And yes, scoring four and a half goals a game with Tage Thompson's line being a dynamic presence might allow them to go on some crazy run like this. But part of the unique aspect of this game tonight is not only rediscovering Skinner Thompson talk magic, it's simply rediscovering Jeff Skinner. And if it doesn't happen against Montreal, a team that he has literally owned every single game he's played with Buffalo... You know, as a Sabre against the Canadians, then uh, concerns for Skinner should be even more heightened if nothing well transpires tonight. Yeah, and it's not just with the Buffalo Sabres, despite the fact that it has been more pronounced with the Sabres. It's been very much more pronounced, but in his career against Montreal, he's over a point a game, 46 points in 41 games, 26 of those goals. You're thinking this is the team that Jeff Skinner has had the most success against. And um, and and it's been a really tough go for Jeff Skinner of late. Now there were the injury and he came back and he's just not looked himself. And when you have, you know, a, a, a trio, a line that has struggled to create offensively, you need all three to be at the top of their game to get back to the right point. Now, last game, Thompson scored on the power play. Great. Uh, Thompson had a breakaway. Great. That's awesome. But a lot of those things now are individual play, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got Thompson and individual play. You got Tuck and individual play. And we haven't seen Skinner a whole lot. So um, I, I'm going to be keeping my eyes on that line um, to see how how spread out they are. How, like they've not seemed to play together. Right, like they get out of the zone, and Tuck gets the puck on the right wall. Where is everybody else? Jeff is usually up in the neutral zone. Where's Tage? Like they are not really 
playing on the same program right now. And that's not something that we said last year. Last year, it was everything was working. Even times where you're like, shoot the puck. Oh, what a pass. What a goal. You're thinking like they were seeing a step ahead of everybody. Yep. This year, they're, they're a step behind everything. And, you know, so it's really not working to their advantage. Um, you know, this season, it's just not clicking. 16 games as a Sabre for Skinner against Montreal. He has 15 goals and almost <laughs> two points per game, including two points a game this year with six in three. Um, so beyond that, uh, is there anything else that, uh, you know, is, I suppose, I think, you know, people are writing about it because it's new. Um, I don't think we've, you know, for obvious, we haven't seen a huge outpouring in production, which is also not surprising because I think you needed to give a little bit of a grace period from a statistical mindset to Peyton Krebs as he transitions to playing with two more offensive-minded players. But what would you say you're looking for from Benson, Krebs, Paterka tonight? Well, what I'd be looking for is, okay, yeah, production needs to happen. Now, they they were really good against Anaheim as a line. They dominated the mm -hmm. uh, shots and shot attempts, which, you know, I mean, it was a high shot volume, high shot attempts volume uh, for the Sabres against Anaheim. John Gibson was really good. Uh, but that's where the production has to come in. Yeah, Benson had a goal. Great. That's awesome. And there was a lot of great work that that line did before the Benson goal. But with Peyton Krebs, at some point individually, you got to say, hey, I need one. I need to score. I need to get a goal here. He hasn't scored in 13. And in those 13 games, he's had three assists, right? So three points in 13 is not going to get it done. But if you're going to want to score, you got to have more than nine shots on goal in 13 games. That's what Peyton Krebs has had. And I know Krebs is not a shooter per se, but when you want to produce and if you want to end a zero goals in 13 games type of drought, mm -hmm. you're going to say, hey, I got to take five shots in this game. I got to take four shots. Every time I get into the slot, I got to get myself in a better position. Now, don't shoot the puck from center ice or don't shoot the puck from three feet inside the blue line just so that you have shots on goal. It's not going to make a difference. But find a way to have three quality shots in that game as right. opposed to nine shots over a 13-game span. All right, we'll see if that transpires tonight. It's Lukanen in goal for Buffalo. Clegg is in for Ryan Johnson on the blue line. Montembeau is the starter for Montreal. The two teams are even in points in the standings, which has them both 12 points back of the final wild card spot in the East. The Sabres are on the road for two this week with the dads and mentors, and then it's home to face Carolina. It's Choose Love Night on Sunday. This Sunday, note the start time. It's a 6 p.m.er at Key Bank Center, and, of course, it's Carolina who are Carolina once again, and they just keep on rolling. So Sabres and Hurricanes, Choose Love Night, great opportunity to celebrate the African-American community and highlight Black-owned businesses throughout Western New York during the game. We encourage you to visit sabres.com slash tickets to purchase your seats today. Amherst are home tonight to Belleville. There's tons of big stories going on around the NHL, and we're back after this on Sabres Live. <laughs> 